Great. Hi there. Hi. Okay, Chair Nichols, I think we are good to go. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, welcome to the regularly scheduled meeting of the Historical Preservation Commission for November 17th, 2022. Brandon, would you mind calling the roll for us? <clears throat> Certainly, thank you, Chair Nichols, and just some opening remarks before we get started. Good evening, everyone. This meeting is being held pursuant to Government Code Section 549, 5.3 subsection E, and in light of the declared state of emergency, the special meeting of the Historic Preservation Commission on November 17th, 2022, will be conducted telephonically through Zoom. And I will now call roll. Commissioner Berkowitz. Here. Commissioner Warner. Um, yeah, let the record show that Commissioner Warner has not is not present this evening. Commissioner Newman. Here. Chair Nichols. Here. Thank you, Brandon. Next order on the agenda, uh, order of business would be uh, the approval of the agenda. And as the commissioners that are on the call with us this evening, you've gotten your agenda and you know that there's one business item. Uh, is there a motion for approval of the agenda? I'll move to approve. Thank you, Nate. Second? Second. Thank you, Chair, Vice Chair Newman. Brandon, would you please call the roll again? Thank yes, you. thank you, Chair. Commissioner Berkowitz. Yes. Commissioner, or excuse me, Vice Chair Newman. Yes. Chair Nichols. Yes, thank you. Motion okay. passes. Thank you. Um, next item is our minutes. Uh, minutes have been provided for the November 3rd meeting. Um, did everyone have a chance to review them? And if so, I'll entertain a motion for approval or any additions or changes. I move approval. Thank I'll you, second. David. Okay. You're on again, Brandon, for a roll call. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Berkowitz. Yes. Vice Chair Newman. Yes. Chair Nichols. Yes, thank you. Motion passes. Um, you know, I'm just in retrospect, I'm, I don't think we take public comment on our minutes, but that, okay, all right. Um, okay, the next uh, portion of the agenda is an opportunity for the public or anyone joining us uh, to comment on items that are not on our agenda tonight. As I mentioned earlier, we have one project, which is 626 Sausalito Boulevard. And if you have a comment other than that project or anything else you'd like to talk about related to Historical Preservation Commission, now is your time. And I believe um, Community Economic uh, Director uh, Phipps just explained how you could do that uh, by raising your hand. Is that right, Brandon? Um, I can, I can. Do you have a little phrase for them? Yeah, I can okay. read through that section to make sure that members of the public uh, Terrific. Are, are clear. All right, so, thank you. Yeah, except in very limited situations, uh, state law precludes the Historic Preservation Commission from taking action on or engaging in discussions concerning items of business that are not on the agenda. However, the HPC may briefly respond to statements made or questions posed by a member of the public, ask clarifying questions, make a brief announcement, or make a brief report on his or her own activities. The commission may also refer matters not on the agenda to city staff or direct that the subject be agendized for a future meeting. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it is your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press star nine. Each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Please state your name when it is your time to speak. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. 
Um, I let's see. I'm going to check here and see if I see anybody. I'm not seeing any hands raised, Chair Nichols. Nor do I. So thank you. We will close public comment then for items not on the agenda. And then next, briefly, let's take a moment if we have any ex parte communications um, from the commissioners. This is not specifically on the printed on the agenda, but we generally do this before, and I <clears throat> neglected to add that. This would be any communications you had outside of our public meetings. Commissioner Berkowitz, do you have anything to report? No. Okay, thank you. Vice Chair Newman? No. Nor do I. Thank you. Okay, so we're ready to move on to our first and only business item for this this evening, which is 626 Sausalito Boulevard. And I believe Planner Magda is going to give a staff report. Is that correct? Yes. Hi, good evening. Hi there, Magda. You have the floor. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, good evening. I am presenting a historic resource determination request for 626 Sausalito Boulevard. The project ID is 2022-00051. The project, the property is located at, six, at 626 Sausalito Boulevard. Um, the cross street is Sunshine Avenue. The HRDI packet was prepared by Mr. Chris Dorman, who's the architect with um, Dorman and Associates. On behalf of the property owners, um, Shema, I'm sorry, give me just a minute so I can move this. Patel and Mr. Dave. It was submitted to a C CDD on August 23rd of 2022. And the request is for you to review the materials they submitted and determine that the property does not qualify as a historic resource according to the criteria contained in the public resource resource um, code section 21084.1 in title 14. Also, the property is not currently listed in the National Register of Historic Places or the California Register of Historic Resource, nor is it listed on the Sausalito Local Historic Register or the Downtown Historic um, Overlay. The picture presented on this um, presentation is that of the property. Um, it was constructed in 1907. It's of a pragmatic build without any notable details, traditional cottage of simple construction, and the dwelling is currently occupied by the property owners. They provide multiple pictures from all angles of the property. This is the front facade, the northeast front, east side and west side of the property. and um, the southeast rear of the property. The owner and resident history, um, there aren't any records showing who the previous property owners were um, prior to 1947. That um, it, it is known that it was owned by Mr. Charles and Laura Dornback um, from 1939 to 1947. He is believed to be a muralist and also worked as an accountant um, at that time, um, and it was then trans it then transferred ownership in 1947 to the Bronson family, where there's a gap. I'm sorry, not a gap, an overlap in ownership. Uh, Mr. Um, Cannon Morgan and Joseph uh, Williamson owned it from lived <clears throat> in it from 1947 to two, 2017, and then um, it was also occupied from 1947 to 2021 by Howard, Evelyn, Genevieve. Um, Mr. Howard Bronson is, was a decorated war pilot. And then in 2021, it transferred ownership to the current owners. Although Mr. Um, Charles was an, a muralist, um, his work was only referenced in a book as 
participating and the, I'm sorry, I lost my note. In the artist, the title of the book was Artists in California, 1786 to 1940. And he participated in the Golden Gate International Exposition. Um, they weren't able to find any records detailing any further work of his. There's been um, several construction, different construction has taken part in the property. Um, there was a kitchen remodel in 1996, a new foundation in 1993, a re-roof in 1985, underground electric in 1985, and then um, stairway repair and frame in 1974. <clears throat> Based on the information that has been provided, um, we recommend that you find that um, the structure was not a significant um, events in history, that the structure is not associated with prominent people in history, that the structure is not the work of any prominent creative individuals, nor is it emblematic of a particular style or era, and that the structure has not and will not yield um, information of historical importance. That completes my presentation. The applicant, um, Andrea Montuano, is also on the call and is available to answer questions. Thank you, Magda. <clears throat> do, we, do either of the commissioners have any questions of staff at this time before we hear from the applicants and the public? Oh, uh, oh, go ahead, Nate. Um, I find it kind of interesting, it's more than kind of interesting, that we. this is the second muralist who's been around, who has lived in the city. Um, the other one was over on Bridgeway. Um, and my, it piqued my mind to say, was this some kind of a trend at the time, or was this a local, uh, local project, or was it just coincidental? And I don't expect an answer. I just wanted to bring it up is that this is another muralist in Sausalito. We've seen a lot of muralists over in the city in San Francisco, uh, but they've all been uh, of a Latin, of a Latin uh, background. And we know that the one in Bridgeway was, much, was a bit more interesting because it was a uh, there, there was a little more local history involved. Is that Mr. Enough said. I've made my talk. Okay, thank you. I suspect they were also drawn to Sausalito's charm and scenic beauty, and we just magnetized the artist, Nate. I don't <laughs> know that for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, any other questions for Magda? Is it Magda or Magda? I'm sorry. Magda works great. Thank you. Magda. Okay. Um, I'd like to ask, were there any other bits of information submitted with this application aside from the forms that you, you've included in this staff report? Any other notes of, notes of sources they reviewed or anything like that? No, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's invite the applicant up. Um, and their team, they, they may have a team. Sometimes it's the owner and the architect or a researcher. Um, they'll uh, have a I'm, total of- Sorry, I was just going to introduce myself. I'm Andrew well, Montalbano with Dorman Associates. Just, just a second, please. They'll have a total of 15 minutes and you can use um, that time how you choose um, if you want to divide it or not. And we may have a question, we might stop you. Um, and. Um, we, you can start at any time you like. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so the owners are also present, uh, Dave and Shima. And uh, I did the research myself, so I can tell you a little bit about the research that was done. So um, basically searched the um, newspaper, uh, <clears throat> uh, newspapers for, th of Sausalito mainly searching for the address and then the names of the owners. And that's where I found out about the, um, the decorated war pilot and from, from World War II and also about Charles and Lord Dornback. 
And then once um, Charles Dornback was discovered, I, I researched both lines, the Dornback line and also um, the his wife's name. I forget what it is now, but I, she, I guess, moved from the Midwest, it seems, because there was something in the newspaper about her family's coming to visit. But that was it. I even, you know, searched even further to see if there was anything in her background that might have been important. So I couldn't find anything. And then for his family as well, I think it's it, there is somebody super famous seeing Dornbeck that was from the Sierras. I, I could not tell if they were related. Uh, and there was no mention of any relation in any of the New, there were like three newspaper articles that just mentioned him. And when he was mentioned, it was that he was helping out on a mural for the uh, World Exposition and that he was a muralist. And that's really all. And then I found one more that said he's moving to Mill Valley. And so then I looked in Mill Valley to see if maybe there was, you know, further mention of him, but he seems to have disappeared after he moved to Mill Valley. So and then the uh, the history of the house, there's a gap um, from basically from when it was constructed to uh, 1939. And the, the title company also came up with this gap and could not find any ownership. And the reason for that is um, we went to the county and we asked about ownership. And they said that before that date, all records of transfer of sale were listed by, you know, handwritten by the day every day and they were entered by the person who sold the property so really there's no way to and it's just on um microfiche mm -hmm. so there's basically no way to look for that unless you look at every single day mm -hmm. of every single year to see yeah. it's sold so that's how you research it yeah yeah so the the title company and we also came to a dead end there so that was the kind of the extent of our of our research as much as we could find. Okay, so Sausalito News and uh, did you use any census records? They're available in this historical society or any. So that's I, anyway. I, okay, so that's yeah, so the, I did I did not, but I did contact the historical society. I emailed somebody and uh, oh, I I actually contacted the Mill Valley History Room and asked for any information on that. And they did as much research as they could because I mentioned he was mentioning a book and they said we could not find anything. So that was a little more research that I had other people do. But I did not look at the census records now. Okay. And but, um, any other questions that I, I have a few more, but let's uh, chair, Vice Chair, do I hear you? I can't see you guys. I'm sorry. Is that you, David? Yeah, that's me. I okay. just wanted to know who uh, this person is and who she's represented and what her background is. So um, my name is Andrea Maltalbano and I'm working for Dorman Associates. I'm an architect with a Master of Science in Research. So um, I'm also sitting on the Marin County Planning Commission as a planning commissioner. So I you know, have access to the records at Marine County and staff and uh, did as much research as, as we thought was really necessary to come to this, you know, resolution that we didn't think that we couldn't find anything of import. Thank you. Okay, any other questions before we hear from the public? I'll save mine for comments. Um, Let's see, is anybody in the public, now's your opportunity to speak on this application for 626 Sausalito Boulevard. Anybody out there? Sorry, I'm having to use my finger here. Chair Nichols, I am, if I may, I am not seeing any hands raised. Thank you, nor am I. So I think we can close public comment and let's bring this back up to um, the commissioners for discussion. <clears throat> Anybody want to start? I'll, I'll start. Um, I, I want to, um, this is our second application where we've had a gap in a, not even just a number of years, decades. Uh, I find that inconceivable because there are records somewhere 
And it makes me very uncomfortable to consider an application with chunks of time not available. I agree with the applicant that it does take time to do those deeds, but there are other ways to do this. And I'm not sure if you have any experience in researching historical documents, but or not documents, uh, buildings and things. But even if you had access to the county history room, the Ann Kent room, there's directories there for every year. Um, that facility is even better than the Sausalito Historical Society. So that's bothersome to me. And I guess I'd say that the other part is, you know, when you read the application, there are sections there and every section is to be addressed. The application says that one need not be a certified architectural historian, but the intent when we wrote this was that it was um, with an understanding of what's generally required. And I think we've, I, I have a problem when applications come in and they automatically, they are making the findings. In other words, there's no significance. This building has no characteristics. Well, I went and looked at the building today. I did not speak with anybody. So that's why I didn't have anything to disclose. But this to me is a, is a classic example of not, uh, you know, arts and crafts, but it's shingle. It's a hip roofed shingled cottage that was very, very prevalent all over the place. So the fact that I'm not seeing just these basic simple things is disturbing. And I guess it's more of a general comment, but I am prefacing this, um, these comments to, to, to really say again that when we have these gaps in here, I don't feel comfortable making these findings. It's likely that there won't be anybody, but I don't, um, I can't make the findings when I don't have the information. I'm not trying to be difficult. I hate to continue these things, but I would just like, um, like us to have a, some kind of understanding that you know, unless these applications are complete, um, we find ourselves in this position. Now, I maybe have a more extreme opinion about this. I'd like to hear from the others, but um, I don't see any reference to any maps. Maps sometimes list uh, owners. Uh, they're usually penciled in from the old maps. This is a quite old building. So there's, I'm just surprised that these records weren't available and disappointed. So um, I'll stop with that. Uh, that's more of a general comment about when we look at these applications, uh, every, every category needs to be addressed. If it is not, if there's no findings, then please say such and such was checked, there was nothing. Um, there's specific things that are mentioned there. This just, I, you know, I can't tell from reading this if, if there wasn't research done in these areas and it wasn't found or it just wasn't even addressed. And um, it was, the form is standard, it's not onerous, and um, this is what we need to make these determinations. So it isn't um, just about the person either, it's about the architecture and um, in this particular case, um, calling this shingle is, is, a, is a, an acknowledged style. We also know that when someone says a building isn't worth anything, that's probably often a vernacular building that wasn't done in a particular style, but indicates an era of when it was built and who may have built it, which do have significance. So um, I would rather not see the conclusions made in the applications, because particularly when they can't say why they're making those findings specifically. So um, that's where I'm at. So are there any other comments? I'll make a comment. I think that having section six of the H HR, I'll get it, DIP being blank, <laughs> It's reminiscent of a problem we had last meeting or two previous meetings when the dates of occupancy were um, more current than say from 1939, but um, they were missing as well. 
And I think that staff, and Brandon, I know this is a new role for you, but I think staff should have rejected this HR DIP because it does not, it's incomplete. The section six is blank. But even though there are lots of photos, staff makes an assumption in their report that arts and crafts was a prevalent uh, style after the San Francisco earthquake. I'm sorry, Magda, but I don't agree with you. If you look at all the Victorians that were built in San Francisco after the earthquake and the fire, they're hardly <laughs> arts and crafts. So I think it's not up to staff to interpret. It's up to the proponent to provide the necessary information, including what happened between 1907 and 1939. Um, having been on the previous uh, HLB, Historic Landmarks Board, I spent a lot of time looking through the files in the Stanford Historical, excuse me, that's a Freudian slip, in the Sausalito Historical Society um, files. And I don't believe anybody did that work. Uh, we used to do it as a commission and then it was assumed that the staff was going to do that work, whether they're contract or whether they're full-time. And I don't believe that work was done. I can't believe that the map, NOLI maps, um, including the fire district and so forth, wouldn't have given us more information than was portrayed in the HR uh, DIP. Uh, I likewise don't like to see things continued, but I think we have something here, Brandon, that has to be corrected, which is we need complete information before it's sent to the board. And that includes both by the project proponent and their consultants, as well as the staff, whether they are contract or full-time. And I'm not want to be overly critical, but COVID is no longer an excuse for some of these things. Uh, in fact, I can find that information myself if I want to spend a few hours in the, in the Historical Society's archives. And I think like Vicki, we both are experienced at doing those things. And we're feeling put in a situation that's not very tenable, frankly, uh, when we aren't given the appropriate information and staff is making presumptions again, whether they're contract or not, about what the condition of the project is. I think staff is supposed to, in my opinion and my experience, by the way, supposed to take the information that's given by the proponent and their consultants and interpret it directly and objectively and not bring to the table any opinions of their own. And I'm sorry I have to say that, but given that I've had a lot of experience with historic preservation, I am very disappointed that we're dealing with this sort of a continuance issue again. And I think it's up to Brandon, I know you weren't here on August 23rd, but it's up to the staff to do their <laughs> screening, I'll put it, of these proposals before they're dumped into our laps. And I think it's unfortunate that we've had to deal with this twice in the last two meetings and there are similar issues. And I think they can be resolved quite well if we have the staff understanding of what their responsibilities are before they pass this along uh, to you, first of all, and then on to the commission. And again, Sorry, like Vicki, that we have to be in this position. We would like to be able to make a firm decision tonight, one way or the other. Uh, I've seen the building. I have an opinion, but we don't have the background to support any sort of uh, findings based on what I consider to be our responsibilities as the HPC. Thank you. So not to... to belabor this, but, you know, in this case specifically, when you go and look at the list of permitted work that's been done on this site, as I recall from the slides, there isn't anything that really changed the structure of this building. 
So with that, I think the latest is from the 70s. Um, there may not be records. Um, I know there's records from the 50s in those files because I've been the city's files. I've seen them. Um, but, you know, if I just looked at that, I would say, well, they haven't changed anything. So I haven't, there's nothing in the narrative, particularly I can see either. So that's, that also is another layer um, that I don't have to help make these findings. I, David, I see you want to make another comment. No, I just make a quick comment. The photo, the photographic evidence was really well done. Um, it was. I don't think the explanation behind it was done at all. Uh, for example, I think there are replacement windows on on the house that obviously would affect its historic significance. Uh, the front elevation looks like potentially it hasn't had that sort of um, impact over time. But in looking at the other photos, it looks like, you know, why it, people made the decision to upgrade the windows, which isn't surprising. It's just that it should be noted as part of our determination or facts behind our determination. At any rate, I just, I think we need to have a clear understanding and I'm gonna, you know, Brandon, again, you're this is only your second meeting, but um, we need to have an understanding of what gets through the screening process at the, uh, I'll call it still the community development office uh, before it comes to us, because we don't like being put in this position of either doing the work ourselves uh, or having to postpone a decision because we lack that information. And we don't want to put in the category of being as diff I think, uh, as Vicki said earlier, we don't want to be a roadblock. But on the other hand, we have a responsibility. That's why we're on this commission. That's why we, we said to the council that we would do our job. And um, we need to have some help here uh, to make sure that we're not running up these against these sort of uh, blanks, if you will, lack of information on either ownership, the architectural style, or what's been done to the building. In fact, in the presentation tonight, I learned more about what had been done to the building than was in the staff report. So I'll just say one other thing that, um, you know, because it, when the projects come to this commission, we're just determining the project's significance or not. We do not know what's going to be done. Um, so as a, for instance, if the project is a hypothetical, is a demolition and we, based on the information we have say, oh, there's no significance because we have scant information. Potentially you're losing that building. So, um, you know, we're not considering the work that's being done. We're considering the significance before that project moves ahead for planning. So that's, you know, that's my concern. You, these are potentially historic resources or not. And that's why we're trying to get as much information as we can. So Nate, uh, do you have any comments? Would you like to add anything, Nate? No, I'm satisfied to have listened. Um, I guess I'm dissatisfied in not having a feeling that because of the prohibition of what happens when we make a decision. Um, and I think it was just brought up that <clears throat> there's a big difference. There is a large difference between approving something or dis, uh, approve, or not proving that this is a historical building and then allowing it to be torn down. It's we're, well, that I want to make sure that was a hypothetical because I don't know what's happening with this, nor well, am I but, considering it was an example. Yeah. But I think this is this is a, a, a ground rule that uh, is very difficult for us to uh, do to, uh, to over. It's a difficult one for me to overcome. 
Um, I would like to vote on some things as being non-historical, but don't tear it down, please. And uh, obviously that's not in the cards. Um, well, I don't, yeah, we don't have. We don't have that authority. It is pretty clear. We have no middle ground. It's an easy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, yeah. That is a little bit off of what we're talking about now, but um, you're right. We're not looking at that part of it. We're not planning commissioners, right? Yeah. So I would like to hear from, if, or if, if the commissioners are okay with this, um, just like to hear from the, the applicant. It's leaning, it looks like at least there's two votes that we would need to have you come back and bring more information for us. Um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to comment if you have any comments and, and see if um, some of the items that we information we feel is not um, included, um, there's some clarity on what would be helpful for us to make our findings. Oh, great. Thank you. I'd really appreciate that. So um, I just want to clarify that um, Mr. Newman, is it? Mr. Newman? Vice Chair Newman, yes. Vice Chair Newman, um, he said that um, Section 6 was blank. There is a small description of the project. So are you saying that there's, that's just not enough information or are you just, or are you not seeing? I just want to make sure that you, you have the right document because we did submit a, paragraph, a small paragraph about style for Section 6. What we received or I received anyway was blank. Well, that's there was, troubling. There was a yes. comment in the what was called historical analysis, uh, which was a separate page. There was no reference in section six, and it did not refer to whether it was shingle style or whether it was whatever. I yeah, just that was, was a that, uh, was that must have been a snafu. excuse me, excuse me. There must have been a problem there. Yes. Yes, it appears there was a problem there because the one that I submitted, I'm looking at right now and there is text there. Um, so, but I do, under I do understand. Sorry. So I just want to say two things. So one thing it is, I do think it is unfortunate that you don't have the proposed plans because as if you looked at them, we're basically just repairing the exterior <laughs> and we're not changing the roof form. I mean, the, the work is so minimal and that, perhaps the amount of minimal work that we were proposing kind of made us feel like, oh, well, we don't have to go that extra mile because it's, we're basically keeping the, the building intact by a, very much so. Um, but I, now that I understand that you don't, you can't it's take our, that into consideration. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That makes yeah. a big difference. However, yeah. um, it would be the bill, the building has been modified. It appears to me that the, they're used to originally and we can document this with photos that originally there was a two-story exterior porch in the back. So the, the original building is not, you know, it's, it's already been changed <clears throat> probably long ago. It looks like it was back in the, you know, very long time ago that that construction work was done, but there's a step down. And it seems to me there was a two-story sleeping porch there, which is no longer visible from the exterior. So there is documentation that we can do with photographs and, uh, you know, and, and documenting it with verbiage describing that there has clearly been a lot of work done so that this building is not, at least from the back, it's not in its original state. Um, it doesn't, you know, resemble its original construction. So we could provide so that. Very common that those um, houses, particularly with that southern facing area, had the sun porches. And I meant, I heard you say you were a planning commissioner, and that's why I recognize your name. <laughs> um, you, are you familiar with Sanborn maps? Yes. Yeah. If you, if, for instance, had you included the Sanborn map, map there, you know, with one of those illustrations with, you know, us being clearly see that that was a porch on one you know, version and then several years later, it's the dotted lines are enclosed because someone's modified. Those are the kinds of things that we need to help us make our findings. And I've been a planning commissioner and you know findings, I know findings. We have to have that information to make them. So 
if you could come back with those kinds of things um, filled in so that we could see more of a picture about what has changed, we don't uh, consider what you're going to do to it uh, in, in, in connection with your project, but we'll just look at those facts, those that documented fact to be able to make our findings about those four categories that were outlined in the report. Is that helpful? Yeah, I that hope. is very yeah. helpful, yes. Okay, all right, great. Um, anybody else like to speak to the applicant or add anything else? Um, I think we're gonna have a motion to continue. <clears throat> anybody else, any takers on the last comment? Uh, Brandon, can I ask you a question? Um, if the applicant comes back, what's the likelihood in getting on our calendar in December? Are we yeah, jammed, thank Pat? Thank you, Chair Nichols, for the question. Yeah, as far as December agendas are concerned, um, we are not jam-packed, I guess is the short answer that I can provide. Um, but the items addition on the December agenda would be dependent upon their ability to provide the information requested by commissioners. Um, so I would hope that if we can get those items in a relatively timely fashion, there shouldn't be any issue in adding it to um, the next meeting agenda. So for your <clears throat> staff to stand, to accommodate staff to get this in the packet, is it 10 days before that meeting? Is that reasonable? I can't remember what, what time it is that you need. We get it 48 hours ahead of time. So uh, to, the, to the applicant, um, what we're proposing is trying to get getting you on our next scheduled meeting. We only meet once a month. And it sounds like possibly you suggested that you have sources for some of these questions. Um, we will try to get you on that December agenda if you think you can uh, get that information back to, to uh, staff, um, if that sounds reasonable. Yes, that sounds reasonable. So that would be by what day would I have to get it to you by? Yeah, if I may, uh, Chair Nichols. Yes, so please. Thank you. I, I believe the next regularly scheduled HPC meeting it will be December 15th, Thursday, December 15th. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. With that in mind, the 10-day deadline would uh, lead us to December 5. I believe that that's um, our noticing date. So actually, in order for staff to review the documents prior to committing to noticing and adding to the agenda, we'd like to receive the documents prior to that. Um, if we could receive them the week of November 28th, that would be ideal. So that, that would give us sufficient time to review, uh, conduct our noticing, and post the agenda ahead of time. And just, just one item um, regarding the timeline with, within which staff provide agendas to commissioners. Um, I believe it's state mandated 72 hours and we generally stick to that. This time we posted the agenda um, a week in advance. So we were ahead of that posting timeline and um, that was reflected on the website. But we, myself, sent commissioners the agenda via email um, this Monday, so within the 72 hour timeline. Just wanted to clarify that, thank you. You're right, it is 72, sorry. I'm thinking of something else, another board, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know how, uh, well, since it's, if it was a date certain, we you would not have to re-notice it, is that correct? So if the sure. applicant, felt she could meet those deadlines, then we won't have to go through that period of re-noticing again. We could say that we're making a motion to uh, continue this to a date certain December 15th, but you would, I don't wanna squeeze you for time, but I also wanna give you that option if you could get it done. Yeah, if sure, Nicole. Thank, thank you for that. I, I think yeah. that if we, if we continue to a date certain, that would extend applicants' timeline for doing yeah. research and submitting project information. We would like to receive information in that case by December 5, so that we could have that week, the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th to review, um, and then create the agenda and have it posted 
that Thursday, which will give commissioners uh, ample time to review and we will be well within our noticing requirements. That would be greatly appreciated. Does that sound okay for you for December 5th? That would okay, be perfect. Okay, we'll, we'll then we'll take some action by making a motion to continue this to a day <laughs> certain, and then that'll give you the time to come back to us. And I thank you for your thank patience. You. Um, unfortunately, you kind of got to be part of a learning lesson here. So I hope we weren't too, uh, too rough, but I think we'll get a better product all the way around. I know we will. So thanks. Thanks very much. Okay, um, is there a motion then uh, along those lines to continue this project uh, to a date certain, that date being December 15th? So moved. Okay, thank you, David. Is there a second? I'll second. Thank you, Nate. Brandon, would you please call the roll for us? <clears throat> Certainly. Thank you, Chair. Um, Commissioner Berkowitz. What is the question? Read it to me. Uh, the answer is yes, but uh, what we, we are we are making a motion. <laughs> we're making a motion to continue the item to a date certain, and that date certain is December fifteenth, twenty twenty. Yes. Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Chair Newman. Yes. Chair Nichols. Yes. Thank you, and thank you to the applicant. Um, I think we're working hand in hand here. I appreciate that. We'll see you back soon. Thank you. We'll see you then. You're, wel you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Um, next item is, are we already down to communications? Moving right through this agenda. Um, it looks like uh, the HPC has an opportunity to bring up anything uh, that they'd like to communicate. And um, I will just bring up that um, and it may be communicated in staff's response, but last time, well, more than just once to you, we've been asking about our CLG report. And I actually found a copy of the last one that was done, which is 2019, I think. So um, if that's gonna come up, David wanna, maybe wants to communicate something about that again. Um, that's pretty much all I had. I, I did attend the, um, the third part of three, uh, the California Preservation Foundations, they called it a planning commissioner's boot camp. It also included information about CLG. And I can tell you that I'm even now more um, fired up about getting our CLG report in is that there's money in the state because of COVID, there has not been as many grants. So they're pretty much saying, we've got the money, get your reports in. So I am again, volunteering if I can be helpful to staff to try to help get this done. Um, and they're not onerous. Um, I'm happy to um, do anything I can to get ours in and get us in the running because we've got uh, some real funding gaps. And so grants could really help us. So that's my pitch or communications, I would say. Anyone else? David, Nate? No. Okay. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Vicky, for saying that. Um, I think what it would be good for us is to get a briefing from our um, consultant who finished at long last. I think it took. Well, let's not guess how many, but I'm going to say 12 years. To get our historic context statement through the process mm. and approved. And one of the first grants we were thinking of at least in the last conversation I recall from a year or more ago, was that we would start looking at district by district interpretation of the historic context statement. And I, like everyone else that's voted in Sausalito in the last couple of weeks, know that we're not in the best financial condition at the moment. And uh, we're going to look for ways to solve that problem, including with our including with Brandon's help. Hey, Brandon. And, uh, and the, the thing I would like to think about was, um, could we have a briefing? It could be online, Zoom. We don't need to have Chris come here of what the final outcome was of the historic context statement, because 
we as a commission did not actually review the final version. It went directly to council. And I, I think I understand what the changes were and I've tried to weed my way through it, but I think it would be good for the public, uh, those particularly that are interested in historic preservation to have. And again, Brandon, I'm not talking about spending a lot of money. I think that Chris would probably do this himself uh, give us a 15, 20 minute kind of briefing as to what the final outcome of the context statement was and what the additions, I don't think there were subtractions, but I think the additions were and what context they were done and his opinion of where the next um, uh, step would be in terms of looking at the CLG grants, uh, which area we've talked about uh different we areas may, different may, area excuse me vicky we, we may be okay i'm not sure we're still on communications but um, why not we, I, we're not talking about any action okay we're talking about information so i don't think the brown act applies here okay so i yeah, since we used to have an attorney on the line, they could have told us, but I don't believe that's the case. I think what we're asking is a briefing from the consultant we've used for 10, 12 years who finalized the document and to give us a quick overview of where, it's, where it stood and what the changes were at the last minute, uh, which I'm not saying are, no, they're probably very positive, uh, but I think we should have an understanding of that before we move forward with any sort of discussion about CLG and grants. Okay. Is that, Brandon, is that clear? I have uh, made note of your communication regarding getting the a briefing uh, on the historic context statement. Well, yeah. I, I just want to add that at that, the beginning of that, council meeting before the commissioners voted, Chris was on the Zoom call and Chris went through every bit of the document that he'd changed. So it's recorded. So it would have been- I don't, I don't think that's the same level of conversation that he would have with us as HBC. And I've seen it as well. And I don't okay. think he would object to giving us 15 or 20 minutes of his time. Gratuitous, okay? That's what I'm asking for. Okay. <laughs> Nate, do you have anything? Not at all. Okay, all right. Um, Brandon, you're um, up next for anything you'd like to communicate from staff or from your department or? Yeah, no communication items um, this evening, although I think that uh, Commission Vice, Vice Chair Newman's comments regarding the historic context statement are timely uh, in the sense that I received the final invoice to sign and execute uh, on the statement earlier today. So serendipitous <laughs> indeed. And I will make sure to touch base um, with, I think his name is, uh, what, what's, the, what's the name? Uh, I'm sorry. Chris. Christopher Verplank. Okay, I'll make sure to follow up with Christopher. Yeah, that'd be Thank great. You. Thank you. That's that's all for today. Can I ask a question, Brandon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're muted at the moment, so I'm assuming you're shaking your head positively. Okay. Uh, could you give us an update of where you are with uh, staffing related community development? Uh, we see different names showing up at the bottom of our agenda. We have, you know, we don't know who they are, um, what your plan is, if that's possible at the next meeting. I know you've only been there a few weeks, but, uh, you know, you can tell from at least my commentary and I think the chair's commentary, we're anxious about the level of staff support um, and wondering how that's going to be affected by your plans and uh, your ability to staff the department at this point in time. 
And I realized, you know, it's been a lot of, we, we all know this, so I don't need to repeat it. But yeah. if you would give us just a brief understanding of what direction you want to head with this, I think it would be really great for, uh, hopefully for your morale, but also for our morale as well, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vice Chair Newman, I, I have no problem giving a um, short communication on staffing now. And um, as needed, I can provide an update next month. We may have some changes. So short story with respect to staffing within CDD now, um, specifically within the planning division, is that we are fairly lean. We have two planning staffers in-house currently. Um, that would be Ariana uh, Mariscal, who you see on the uh, staff list, as well as a new hire, her name is Kristen Tisch, and we brought her on for the principal planner role at the beginning of this month, and we are bringing her up to speed. We are making sure that she is focused on integrating some optimization into our division so that we can begin to address some of the outstanding project permits that we have. So that she has been a welcomed addition to our staff, and uh, we're happy to have her. We are also in discussions with Deborah much more. She's the interim HR manager regarding bringing on uh, an additional senior planner uh, in-house part-time as a retired annuitant. They, similar to Kristen, have decades of experience in Marin County um, and were principal planners or directors uh, in their past. So. Having those, those chops, if you will, that level of experience will be uh, a real blessing for the department. And we look forward to exploring that further. Additionally, we are conducting solicitations for an associate planner role. Um, those solicitations have been ongoing for a few weeks now. And we are finding that supply for associate planners is fairly low at the moment. So we're gonna continue in earnest we're going to see uh, what kind of qualified applicants we get. And again, I'll continue to keep you guys posted on that front. We're also conducting solicitation for the role of building official, in addition to the role of code enforcement officer. Um, and I'm sure that you guys are aware of this, commissioners, that we have, as a result of some of the lean staffing that we have within the department, have been leaning on third-party consultants to help fill in some of our, um, our capacity gaps, if you will. And we hope to, based on increased staffing within the department in-house, move away from our reliance on these third-party consultants moving forward. It's, um, in my opinion, better for the department. It's better for our efficiency. It's better for our own internal morale and culture. Um, and I think it is, ultimately the, the most effective way to address um, some of the outstanding project permits, as I mentioned. So that, that will be my uh, communication update. We are, we are really working on it and we're making some progress. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. I you know, saw names on the BCC or the CC list and so forth. And I was like, who is that person? And uh, if you if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, their CVs with us, rather than us having to go to LinkedIn or Google or whatever, it would be would be helpful. Um, just so we have an understanding when we meet these people of who what their background is, and uh, it would help us to you know communicate better with them. I believe. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, Vice Chair Newman, um, sending me a email communication on that, and then we can we can close the loop offline. Okay, I'll do it. Thank you, Vice Chair. So, one last chance. Any further communication, or shall we adjourn? Thank you, Brandon, for bringing us up to date. Um, we'll just put in on our wish list that as you're soliciting planners and associate planners, anybody that's had historical pres uh, preservation experience 
or is interested in learning, there's some good courses out there. We'll put some extra stars near their name. <laughs> okay, um, thank you guys very much. Thanks for helping resolve the previous one. Um, I think everybody will have a um, better understanding when we come back to the next meeting. And I wish you a happy Thanksgiving and some nice days off. And uh, we'll see you the next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.